Welcome to the About Us podcast. It's obviously a podcast about us, about the people we don't talk about, about artists, writers, passionate people, and Coptic people. I firmly believe the fact that you don't need to be Oprah to be someone. It used to be called the Wednesday Women series. It used to be a series on YouTube, but now it's a podcast. And I'm your host, Maria Magdalena Lotfi. Today's guest is someone people have been anticipating to hear. Exactly a year ago, I promoted my interview with him, and that was during the time the podcast was a web series on YouTube under the name of Wednesday Women Series. He's a very busy person, and so am I, so we only got to collaborate once, which was creating a trailer for his interview and a photo shoot with colorful smoke bombs. And that is, I hope you guessed it, DJ Mejd. Mejd isn't your typical DJ. Humble, polite, knowledgeable, and supportive are part of what I would say his resume. <laughs> He's not afraid to share with people his social media tricks. He creates great mixtapes, and probably he's one of the greatest entertainers in Montreal. Other than knowing how to speak four languages and make a crowd dance, Majd prioritizes quality of service, being kind to others, and diplomacy. On that note, here's Majd in his own words. Today I'm with one of the coolest, smartest, and most awesome people Montreal has ever met, DJ Mejd. <laughs> he's, a hard, he's a hard worker, and what I admire the most is his ability to trust people's creative eye and to make a crowd go out. So Mejd, welcome. Wow, uh, I was not expecting that intro. <laughs> no, it's a true, honest introduction, yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, Maria. So how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good, not bad, yeah. Good. Um, do you like fall? Do I like fall? Yeah. What's there not to like? I mean, it's like the agony, like the most like dying season where everything dies and. Well, when you look, <laughs> when you look at it that way, I guess it's it's a bit different. But uh... I just feel like people, you know, we love the weirdest stuff. Like we love fall because of like Halloween and pumpkin spice latte, whatever. But when you think about it, it's like the cruelest season. No. Is it? I mean, spring is supposed to make you, like, you know, it's blooming season, right? right. Everything just, it's a rebirth or whatever. And, like, winter is not that bad. It's just, it's all white. It's pretty. Yes. Right. And and fall doesn't have these colors? It has nice colors. It for, does have for, nice colors. But, like, just for a short period of time. <laughs> I, think, I think the transition is what's sad and it puts <laughs> people down. Yeah. And you feel it. Yeah. Those gloomy days after the summer. People get a reality check that winter is coming in a couple of months. So they start feeling bad already. But then you get these nice sunny days in the fall and then people's moods change right away. Like sure. today. Yeah. Today's a very nice day. So tell us about more about like you and who you are, where you come from. Right. Um, my name is DJ Majd. I'm a DJ in Montreal. I've been DJing for seven years now. And today... I'm lucky to be playing regularly every weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whether it be nightclubs, private events, bars, whatever the gig is and wherever people need me, I'm there to play good music. Um, where did this like passion came from and when <clears throat> did you start? So I started back in 2009. I would say. I saw a DJ play an event back in Jordan. That's where I was living. 
and I just fell in love with it. I was I fell in love with the idea that you can play the music that can affect people's moods and not bring it down, but like bring them up, uh, give them happiness, give them joy, and maybe let them escape from whatever is going on in their lives for just a brief moment so that they can have a good time with their friends or whoever they're with. And that influence that you can have on people is is so powerful and it brings me joy to be able to be in a place where I can bring joy to others with my music. So since that day, I spoke to the guy that was playing. We connected. He gave me a couple of tips. Uh, we sat down a couple of times and he showed me a bit of what it is to be a DJ. I was 15 at the time and really didn't know where I was going to go with this. And next thing you know, by myself, YouTube, did my research, saved up some money, bought my first kit, started practicing like in my little office at home. And over the years, developed the skills, developed the contacts, sort of turned this art into a business, you can say. Like I became the business of, of this art and made it a career. So here I am today. Was it difficult to get the contacts and make it into a business? Yeah, 100%. It took time? Yeah, it took, it took at least three years of constantly going out, meeting people, letting people know, hey, I'm a DJ, this is what I'm doing in my life, I've been practicing, I'm ready, I have the skills, and that's very important. You have to start in your bedroom or in your home practicing. Develop the skills, work on your craft, work on your art, and make sure you're at a place where if you get that opportunity one day, you're going to wow whoever is there, and that's going to kickstart your career. And that's so important. A lot of people will just jump into it and say to the world, hey, I'm a DJ, I'm a writer, I'm a poet, I'm a painter, but the product is not ready yet. So when you show people for the first time, and that's crucial, first impression is last, so when you put yourself to the world and it's not your best, people might not react the way you would want them to. So it's very important to get to a point where you're comfortable with your art and the quality of it before you show it. Because once you start on the good foot, it's a Hail Mary going forward. To me, what's like really intriguing is how you have this like marketing mind. Like you started as a young age. <clears throat> We had conversations before about like you getting out there and like you know promoting your stuff, whatever. But I feel like to have this like logical mindset and even like wise, like you know, to have this business businessman mentality. Like I, for me, it's like something for old people. You know, like how did you like get yourself into it? Like, do you study that? Do you you know like is it in your blood kind of thing? You know, like I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's just being Syrian. By nature. A lot of people will tell you, ah, oh, he's Syrian, he's got that in his blood, like the whole business mentality, yeah. uh, how to sell, how to make money. I'm not sure. It, it could have been my upbringing. It could have been my parents' influence, my right. environment's influence. Uh, I, did, I, did, I was born and raised in Syria. I lived for some time in Jordan before I moved to Canada. So it could have been that Middle Eastern sort of go-getter, sell-whatever-you-can mentality. I don't know. I, I don't know. But it's also, like, 
thinking of every detail possible like it's like um you know setting boundaries and like your reputation as a dj or like um or you know like choosing your outfit like people don't think it's important but it is and it's like building the whole brand and like uh, to me like i only learned this like just recently you know like it's right. not a i don't know that's that for me that was impressive like oh my god these things like and do you isn't it exhausting to have all this in your mind and like okay i need to do this this this, this it has to look like this like you know it know. is yeah it's it's exhausting it's draining but it's worth it okay and for me to come and say there's a science behind it or there's a plan is people might believe that people might say yeah he's right he's got a point but the best evidence is look at what the people that are doing it right mm. and what their tactics are and you'll see they are working on their brand like if you look at the biggest DJs in the world you'll say every DJ has a brand has an identity is portraying themselves a certain way which is who they are but it's just on steroids because they need to push that image to everybody in the whole world to make sure that whenever you interact with them you're getting even if it's the interaction for a split second on a picture on Instagram, you're getting what the brand is and what the person is portraying from that short period of time. So it's very important. If the successful ones are doing it, then that means it has some sense and logic. And that's the idea behind building a brand. You're not just... An, an artist, I feel, needs to have a business mentality if they want to make a living out of their art. In some occasions, the artist will just focus completely on the art and neglect the business side, but you'll see that there's a business machine in the background running, whether it is the marketing, whether it is the operations, whether it's the distribution of the content. There has to be that involved in some way. At this stage in my career, I don't have somebody to do it for me. And if I want to make money and I want to make a, li a living out of the thing I love most, I need to incorporate the business side of it by myself. So it's sort of being uncomfortable with your life that you have to push yourself to do the other things that you might not necessarily love doing to be able to survive do you ever become comfortable with it with what like this business side or like even if you don't like it the most do you ever <clears throat> have you gotten to the point where it's okay it's part of it i'm used to it like it doesn't bother me anymore or like so by, by uncomfortable, I, I didn't mean bothered. Oh, okay. It, it never bothers me, but it's uncomfortable in the sense that you have to do it perfectly and you have to do a lot. Okay. And whenever you do more, you don't plateau. There's more to do. Okay. So a simple example is whenever you get your website done, then you think, oh, it's done. I have my website done. I have my social media done, but it's not done. Then there's more than that. You move on to the step where, okay, now I need to go and network. Then, okay, once you go out and network, what's the next step? Okay, maybe now I can host my own event and invite people to come and meet me. So there's always more to do when it comes to how can you work on the business side of your art. And I find that's uncomfortable because that's how you progress. If you see that you're in a position of comfort, then you're plateauing. You're not moving forward. And when I look back at my experience, the moments where I felt a progression in my career was when I was uncomfortable with the position of my artist side of things, and that moved me forward.
So it's important to stay uncomfortable, to always keep progressing, especially in the business side. What are the misconceptions about being a DJ? Or um, do you feel misunderstood at times? There are so many, and it's hard, it's hard to put them in a list. But I What's think, something you've heard? Well, I don't know. You no, me. I actually had like, um, I guess, stereotypes or um, especially before meeting you, like I, I remember meeting someone, uh, a DJ, but they had this like uh, uh, kind of show off personality, like kind of, you know, nonchalant, like, yeah. you know, and it was like, oh, it's not pleasing to meet someone like that or like just um, you feel like they're not attainable, like they they or not friendly right. uh and for me it was like something that wasn't necessarily serious so like someone who's just making music like you don't know you don't see the art behind it you don't see right. the effort it, it almost seemed like effortless you know um yeah and then like i don't never really had a positive picture I don't know. of djs yeah okay so it's, it's it's funny you bring that up that's probably the number one thing we hear okay is the uh cockiness, uh, the putting ourselves in the clouds and everybody else is beneath the DJ sort of thing. You hear that a lot. I think my top three stereotypes would be DJs are cocky, DJs are not approachable, like they're not friendly. So even some, some of them are cocky, but some of them might be the friendliest people, but they'll still see themselves above everybody else. Uh, but the second stereotype is definitely not being approachable. And then the third one is, I guess, DJs might feel like the world revolves around them. Okay. Uh, so these would be my top three stereotypes. To address the first one is DJs are confident. I would say not cocky. Some, yes. And I've met DJs in the, in the industry that are. But I feel cockiness might sometimes... Uh, blend in with confidence and if you catch the person at the wrong moment you might get the cockiness out instead of the confidence but DJs by nature we kind of have to be confident because we're in a room sometimes all eyes are on you so if you show a sign of or a lack of confidence people are not going to react the same way about your music so it's important to be confident in your position and in your skin especially where you're in a place where you're playing the music for people to dance to because people are looking. Even when you feel no one is looking, somebody is looking. And if you show a sign of or lack of confidence, people are not going to have faith in you. Uh, it's like a doctor, right? Well, like it's, I mean, DJs are not saving lives out there, but to make the comparison, if the doctor comes in and he's explaining to you what the surgery is going to be like, if you don't get confidence out of the doctor, you might not have faith that the surgery is going to go well. So it's very important for them to portray confidence at a certain level. And that's what DJs need to do as well when they're playing the music. If they play songs that people have never heard, you need to show confidence because people will react to that. Do people like not necessarily judge you for being a DJ, but see like they always bring up the bad side of it? Like, oh, it's like... um. A night thing and it's always like in clubs or like right. you know there's alcohol revolved like you know involved sorry like is it yeah like do you get that often or from adults more uh, than friends maybe or you hear it okay right you you uh, in the in the tone 
under under everything, even if it's not put out there uh, to your face. Yeah. When you're talking to people for the first time, and then they they know that you're a DJ or they hear it and they're like, "Oh, you're a DJ!" Like, like tell me more about that. But then you hear what's going on in their heads, uh, even without them saying it. And I guess that's okay. Uh, I mean, if you work in the nightlife, I work in both nightlife and private events, but if you work in the nightlife, it's seen uh, also differently than private events. It's less clean, sort of. Uh, yeah. There's What's alcohol. your opinion? Do you feel like you're working in the less clean environment? Do you feel like it's, you feel bad about it or? No. Okay. No, no, no. I f it's, it's music. Okay. To me, whatever the environment is, I'm curating music to the people that are there. You're in your bubble, right? But I'm in, I'm in my zone. I'm, I'm doing what I love, and some people might be there with different intentions. Some people might be there just to have a good time, dance, forget about the bad day they've had at work, or whatever is going on in their lives. Right? Some people are just there to escape, and these are the people I'm there for. I'm just humbled and lucky to be in a place where I can do what I do, even if it's for one person out of a hundred people in the place. What are the challenges you face or you've faced you have faced like growing in your career or in, even now like as you're growing from what sense from like a business side of things from any sense there are so many oh man <laughs> your top three like 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 the top three challenges yeah okay well let's do one on the business side yeah and then one um with your equipment like was it hard to yeah. like i don't know invest in that whatever Okay. The marketing part too. Like, I'll give you. I'll give you three challenges. I'll give you one on the business side. I'll give you one on my personal side, and then I'll give you one on the artistic side. Okay. And the actual talent that comes behind it. So on the business side, it was challenging to get clients at first. Right. The start is is the most challenging part of it. I find, uh, and it doesn't get easier. First, you need to showcase to the world that this is who you are and this is what you're doing and you're good at it so people can hire you. Now, once people hire you, then you need to prove yourself over and over again and you need to be consistently on your A-game. So you can't show any signs of uh, lack of talent or like you can't show a bad day. That's, I, I see like that's the most challenging part of it. You always have to be on your A-game and you always have to be on the lookout to get more clients, uh, broaden your circle of, of relationships, do bigger things. And I feel that's also part of the what we just spoke about of being uncomfortable. So I can sit today and say, okay, I'm comfortable where I am. I'm happy playing Friday, Saturdays at the places where I'm playing, happy with the network of private clients that I have, but then there's no growth. So because I have this vision of growth in my head that's constantly playing a loop, I have to always be uncomfortable with the business side of things and say, okay, how can I do more? How can I grow this business? How can I uh, meet more people, broaden my network? And that's challenging because you're never, you, it's, it's hard, I wouldn't say never, but very little time will you be sitting and say, okay, I'm good where I am today. And just this, that's just the nature of the beast, but I wouldn't say that's with everybody. I would say that's just with people who have the same mindset of growth. The second challenge when it comes to the personal side is 
uh, really maintaining a healthy lifestyle. It's very hard, especially like if you're if you have a nine to five or if you're going to school at the same time. Like if this is not what you're doing the whole week, it's hard to balance it out. And then add in friends into the the equation. Add in uh, a significant other, your parents, uh, your just your family overall. Uh, then what you have to do in your personal life, like at home. All these things adding into the equation makes it so much harder to have a life that's balanced. Uh, and something's, something's got to give. You can't, you can't have it all. So you have to pick where you spend your energy because being a DJ is not just going to work, doing your four or five hour set and then leaving. It's the work that comes before it. It's the fact that it's at night. So your sleep schedule gets messy, especially when you're readjusting for the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, so many factors that come into it. So I would say that's the biggest challenge there is keeping a healthy, balanced lifestyle. Uh, so we said the first one is on the business side, it's challenging because you're always in a mindset of growth. And then the second one was keeping a healthy lifestyle. The third one, which is on the artistic side, is developing more skills. So just when you think you're good, you're not. There's always more. Uh, and it's crazy. It's, I guess it's, that's the nature of art. There's always more you can develop. There's always more you can learn. And there's no point where you say, this is it. I sort of mastered the game of DJing. Because you can go online and you'll see somebody else doing something crazy. And I'm so behind that point that I have two years to just get to that point. And that's sort of the struggle which ties in a bit into the growth mentality is that you're never comfortable with your own talents. You know you're good. You know you can deliver quality, but who are you benchmarking yourself to? Are you benchmarking yourself to the best DJs in the world or are you benchmarking yourself to the best DJs in the city? Uh, who, who are you comparing to? And it's this idea of, you're always trying to be the best you can be when you compare yourself to the people that are on the top ranks of the world. And you see them doing these crazy things with, the, with, with their art. And having that comparison makes it challenging because you're always sitting and trying to figure out what can I develop? What talent do I need to work on? What skill can I push forward for the next few months or year? Uh, and I would say that's, that's the, the, the inner artistic struggle that comes with being a DJ that wants to grow and do great things. How do you get the motivation for all this? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you, don't. <laughs> you don't get the motivation. Uh, it's, it's hard to, to do it all. You, okay. you, it's, it's, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's impossible. It's just very challenging. And like I said before, some, you, you got to make sacrifices to be able to accomplish all these things i guess to a certain point the motivation comes from realizing you're human and you cannot do everything at the same time and just stay focused so set a goal that's realistic it's high in terms of am i able am i going to be able to get it because you want to move forward but don't set something too high that, it, that you cannot achieve and just do it one step at a time right I think patience and consistency are the two elements that form a great DJ that wants to move forward. 
you have to be consistent with your art, your product, your delivery, your work ethic, but at the same time, you have to have patience. You're doing good things, and you know you're doing good things, but you also need to wait for your moment to come because some DJs will give up. Well, I guess any artist might give up at some point and be like, I can't see the fruits of my work. The moment will come. And I think these two things motivate me because you know life will serve its purpose at some point if you're doing the right things. Do you have a message like you want to you know advice you want to tell like people starting in that industry or like you know fans of music or you know i'm not at a place like i'm not so high on the echelon of djs <laughs> to give to give advice but but if you had one thing at least to say or that someone told you and then it kind of gave you a push or don't do it for the money the money will come some people might start it because they think they're going to make money right away. Then when they realize they're not, then they just give up. That's why money is the wrong reason to start doing this whole thing at the beginning. You have to start it because you love it. If you don't love it, just don't do it. Do something you love. And if you love it, it'll help with this whole consistency, being patient uh, and working on your craft because you're enjoying what you're doing at the same time and you're okay with the struggles that come with it. How do you see yourself in five years? And like, do you have future projects or like biggest dreams you don't mind sharing? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, if I look back, every time I had a five-year goal, I was on the complete opposite side. I wouldn't say five years, I feel like nowadays is, is too long to have a goal. It's like life is changing so fast. Things are moving at a rapid pace that five-year goals don't make that much sense anymore. But if I were to give you a five-year dream, it would definitely be DJing at a world stage. So being able to meet different people from across the globe, share my music with them, be in festivals, playing to these people, that would be that would be the dream. Do you want to have your own like album? Like DJ Snake, uh, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm not I'm not at the production level yet. It's definitely a plan. Uh, hopefully in the next year or two, I can start developing that craft. It's a completely different side of things. So DJing is one thing and production is, oh my God, it's, it's just another beast. But I know what it takes, right? If it's the same way my DJing start, I can start it again with being a producer. And especially now that I have more experience with music, I feel like a kickstart there would be easier to achieve. It's still challenging, but because of my DJing background, I feel like production would be a bit easier. Definitely over the next year or two, hopefully, if, I, if I'm able to concentrate and put my energy into that, if that's where I need to put my energy, then yeah, why not? You're, you're more of a go-with-the-flow person? Or in, you like to sense? think ahead, like <clears throat> plan the future, and you know, or you just go day by day, whatever happens today happens, and then tomorrow will take care of its own? It's, it's a dual approach. So you have, I wouldn't say you have to, but I like to have a big idea that I know is going to take years to develop. I don't put a timeline on it, like a specific timeline, because it's the idea is vague in itself. But it's there. You want to get there at some point. And then everything you do on the short term, you make sure that in some way it's leading up to that or it's contributing to that. So if I want to be on a world stage, 
there are a few things that it takes to be there, right? Uh, it'd be a, definitely a big plus to produce your own music. So that would be part of the short-term plans. Uh, get an agent, start working with artist managements. So that would be another short-term plan that you would work towards, right? All leading up to the big idea of being on a world stage. So I feel it's important to have a big picture. And then everything you do on the short or medium term, you make sure in some way it's contributing to that big picture. What's a typical day when you have a show at night? Do you have a routine? Do you have like, how do you prepare it? You know, yeah. what, how's Mesh in his day like <laughs> as a teacher? I wake up, I make tea, I get interviewed <laughs> by Maria, <laughs> and then I go to my gig. That's what happens. Uh, it's, uh, it's basically... On a Saturday morning, yeah. well, we I usually can't wake up at like morning. I'm usually up at noon uh, on a Saturday <laughs> because you're playing Friday night and you're back home at like five a.m. Okay. So I need I need my sleep. If I can't sleep, uh, or if I don't sleep, I know my performance is not going to be the best. So I need my rest. I wake up. It's important to have breakfast, but at that time it's like lunch. So I have that. Uh, sit at my desk look at the new music, look over what I'm going to do like at night, see uh, what can I bring in into this experience that I'm going to deliver that can change somebody's, I don't want to say life, but it can change somebody's night at least, make them feel a certain way. How can I be special? How can I be different? Uh, so that's part of my music searching process. And then... You get a lot of emails, inquiries... Uh... Yes, okay. I try not to answer them over the weekend because okay. I want to focus on the show. So I'm, I'm just giving you an example, uh, like if I'm playing at a nightclub. So tonight I'm playing at a nightclub and that's what I'm doing. So after this is done, I'm probably going to go to my computer, look up the music that's coming out, uh, work on my playlists, see what's special that I can bring in. Uh, then go to the gym. It's important to stay healthy because your work schedule is not the most ideal. So you need to find some sort of balance in your life. And then I come back home, eat, take a little nap. It's important. And then go refreshed. Play the gig. Come back home at four. Go to bed. Do you ever get nervous before? I, it, it depends. Okay. It, it depends. If the show I've never played before, it's the first time. Uh, yeah, you, I do get some butterflies because you don't know what to expect. And it keeps you on your tippy toes. And that's what's fun about doing private events is that they're always new. It's not something you do regularly. Nightclubs, if you're at the same club every week, every Saturday, every Friday, then you're used to it. You know the type of crowd that's going to come. You know the place. You're going to go into your DJ booth and you've been there a thousand times before. So it doesn't make you as nervous, right? Like the clubs where I play at today, I feel like I'm accustomed to them. Uh, so I'm not as nervous as I would be playing in front of like a big crowd for the first time at a festival. What has been your favorite uh, memory, like your favorite show uh, you played, you know? <laughs> yeah, last year we did a we did a Halloween party, you were there. That's the oh, that, that yeah, was your favorite? That, no that, was, that was one of my favorite gigs because uh, it was such a big crowd, the energy was just on a different level and uh, I, I had a good time, I had a really good time. Yeah, yeah. Th that filming that was uh, something also out of my comfort zone. Like I never filmed in a big crowd and yeah. a lot of people. It was fun. It was How did you feel? Were you were you nervous? Yeah. 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 
like I, I'm so like I'm a beginner as a photographer or like right. you know as a film like you know video maker or whatever so that was um I think my parents were also stressed out so they stressed me out too like yeah. where's this place what club what like what why is it so late at night you know like it was, why are you coming back at 2 a.m like you know and and in the end like they're they're gonna be there like they know it's a project right. i want to do and like my dad came all the way to pick me up you know but for him it was messy outside like a lot of students um kind of wasted so it was like he he was scared that i was one of them you know it was shocking <laughs> yeah yeah how was the conversation when when he was driving back home it was just like I'm so glad you're safe. We're going to go home. You're going to sleep and never do this again. <laughs> Is that why we never film again? No, no we, did, we did another project too. Remember um, for school, with the TD bank. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like they were like cool about it. That's true. They that was with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I remember. Oh my so, God, that was so long ago. So they didn't mind, but like they were still like, they don't, they need to have a visual um like aspect of it like where right. exactly you know like, what's happening and i'm an only child right like okay. they only have me so if I'm, you know if something happens yeah it's like forbid. they have nothing you know yeah okay, okay. yeah got it yeah. got it oh man but i was happy you were there thank yeah. you yeah it was fun it was fun it was a good time. yeah it was it was yeah especially for halloween and all that it was cool to be there, yeah yo i was definitely nervous <laughs> yeah 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 100 percent 100 Yeah, you kind of zoned out before starting. Like, you open your laptop, you were preparing, and you just, like, oop, and then you weren't there. So, like, no, yeah. one, no one was talking to you anymore. But it's, it, you see, like, that's the process. You, you have to find your place, right? Because going out there and performing, people, like, people are depending on you, mm. right? Uh, and sometimes the level of dependence can vary depending on the event. If it's a wedding, oh, boy, a couple is getting married Yeah. And that's just a different beast. Like, this is one night. I mean, if you look at it this way, this adds a, sh like a smack ton of uh, stress on you. Uh, but it's, it's this couple. It's one night. They're getting married. Uh, they're going to remember everything that happens during the day and night. So can't mess it up. Right? Mm. So if you go in with that mentality, then definitely the stress level is at its peak. But it all goes back to preparation. Right? I deal with that by being prepared. 100% uh, and maintaining emotional intelligence and stability. So whatever happens throughout is not going to stress you out because you're a pro, you know what you're doing, and you're comfortable in that zone. Plus, you're prepared on top of everything. So even if the situation is stressful, you don't let it get to the point that it affects your efficiency and performance, right? There's an optimum level of stress that is okay to have before an event because we're, we're going to get a bit uh, a bit graphic here, but it's a bell curve, right? So if you can imagine a bell curve where on one axis you have stress levels and on one you have your efficiency, you need to find your optimal level of stress where you maximize your efficiency because beyond that is just downhill. You're, you're going to have a breakdown and your performance is going to go down. So it's good to have stress, but find your your point, that nice sweet spot of good amount of stress to be able to perform at your best. And I try to find that, especially with events that I'm doing for the first time. Have you ever had a bad like performance, worst memory, 
or maybe when you have you ever had a moment where you didn't really prepare as much as you wanted in my head it's i like sometimes you do events where you think oh i didn't do my best but then people come up to you at the end they like or like the clients or the owners of the club they come up to you and say hey yo you killed it tonight like wow everyone was raving about the music everyone was dancing all night but then for some reason in you you feel like oh, maybe i didn't do my best today like i don't know something was off y you are your biggest critic and i feel that's part of it especially when you have this growth mindset where you need to do better you need to be the best at your craft uh, you can do more that that's a double-edged sword right and that's where the other side comes in where you know you could have done better but you didn't so why didn't you mm. I've, I've i don't feel like that often i would probably say like five percent of the time so it's a, it's a very small percentage and it's just because I know I can do better. Yeah, I remember the difference between you and other DJs were that, was that like, was the interaction with the crowd. Like no one took the mic to say, to say something. They were just doing the music and then they would leave and then, you know, leave the set for someone else to come. Right. And you were the first to like, you know, say hi, to say like, are you having a good time? Do you think like being a DJ is, can be repetitive and then you have to find a way to stand, stand out? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you'll see a lot of DJs do the same thing, and that bugs me, right? Because we're not the same. We're different. So what can I do that's different? What can I, how can I have a different interaction with whoever is there watching me? And I mean, to go back to the point, just talking to the crowd and saying, hey, is like any the basic human <laughs> interactions you can have with anybody. Yeah, but they, they for, like, they didn't even say it. Like, you know I, what I mean? I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, it, it could be stress. It can be uh, going back to the stereotypes of DJs thinking, like, they're on top of the world. I don't know. I, to me, it's important to remember that we're human, right, at the end of the day. And it's okay to have normal interactions even when you're performing. Because why wouldn't you? Like if I'm coming out on a stage, especially that that big stage that we were on, with a thousand people watching you, like why can't you say, "Hey, how's everybody doing? My name is DJ Maj. I'm about to rock your life for the next hour." Like why not? You know what I mean? Uh, I feel it builds a personable touch to the show, and it builds likability, and you're showing warmth. Right? You're portraying warmth to the audience. That's very important because throughout the whole hour, you're going to take them on a journey. But if you build a relationship at least for a split second before you do that, then they'll be more comfortable with that journey and they'll enjoy it more and take really the most out of it that they could. Just taking a short break from the interview to remind you to follow DJ Meshed on Instagram. Just type at DJ M A J D M T L, so DJ Meshed Montreal. Uh, you'll find him on Instagram and also follow his company back to basics. So at B T B M T L, follow him and uh, support him. And uh, if you want to have updates on the podcast, uh, follow me at Maria Magdalena. So thank you, and we'll cut the break now and continue. I'll ask you, I'll ask you, <laughs> how do you build a personable touch with whoever you're interviewing? I think by like getting to know them first a little. Or, yeah. Like let, I always want the person to be themselves and I let them know that kind of uh, explicitly or not. But I just try to 
for me, interviewing is, is finally my way to not be me. And I can let the person, like, I can give more space and right. I want to listen. And so f I think that's important. I We always talk, like, whether it's at work, at home, whatever, or we want to complain to our friends, you know, but then it's like, I can finally not talk and then just let the person be. Yeah. You're, you're a good listener, too. I I mean, I appreciate that. Because even before we started recording this, we were talking and you were listening. And actively listening is just another beast of listening. And you were doing that as well, okay, interacting. And, and it made me comfortable just talking to you. So I humbly think that you do have the skill and uh, you're going to do great things. I hope, like, it took me time, though, to arrive at that point. Yeah. I feel like... There was this conversation coming all the time, like uh, stillness, you know, you, stillness. you need peace like in your life, you need like this moment of silence or you need this. And it kept bugging me that I don't have this stillness, you know, like I'm, I need to be on Instagram and then I need to be here and I need to be there. And then like, I didn't know you can, it, it's only when my body's like, I can't, I'm sick, I need to sleep, rest. then I like rest. Okay. And it was this thing like where I wasn't always focused and I was so scared, like I would talk to people and they would tell me their lives or whatever I'll be yeah yeah cool and and then I like oh uh, sorry what? what did you say <laughs> oh, I zoned out I z and then it's the worst because like you feel bad you're like oh I you know I wanted to catch up and take you know have a coffee with that person and then I forgot what they what like oh okay this like, person just poured yeah, out their yeah. life to you so you feel like you feel like a hypocrite you know right. you don't want they're crying and then you can't even remember why are you crying again <laughs> what happened what did I miss I zoned out <laughs> It, oh. it happened to me recently. It was I went to for like a, to get a gym membership. Yeah. And then the like manager was like, "Okay, what kind of membership do you want? Whatever." Um, and then I was like, "Yeah." And then he's like, "Okay, how's your schedule?" And then I said, "Like I'm back to school." And then he's like, "Oh, like what are you studying?" So I'm, I said, "Like political science." So he's like, "Ah, oh, no, I can't take this as an example. I wanted to give you like an analogy or something." Then at this moment, I zoned out because I was like, oh, let me think of a better example than political science. And he just started talking. And then he asked me a question. And he's like, so so what's the result? I'm like, what? I, I don't know. I actually don't know. I thought me saying I don't know, would he would continue and tell me the answer. But he didn't? He didn't. He was like, what were you thinking of? <laughs> he called you out on it too? Oh, that's the worst. That's the I'm worst. Like, the when political you think, science oh. part. He was like, "Well, I mean, if you don't have another example, it's okay." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> like, you know? Oh man, just when you think you got away with it, yeah, and then somebody actually catches you on that, they call you out. That's the most awkward thing you can go through. Oh man, so I don't want to be. I'm that so sorry. <laughs> okay, be. so you're He was focused. really nice about it. He okay. was really nice. He was like, "It's all good. You don't need to be sorry. You're <laughs> studying political science. What do you want me to do?" I was like, "Okay." So now you're super focused. Everybody, yeah. ta every time somebody talks, you're like, "I'm listening." Yeah, okay, but it, it also makes you like professional too. Like you can't, yeah. you know, like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's important. It's important. People have a lot to say. This is yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so do you. So it's good to have a balance between listening and actually speaking. Yeah, but I think it's a a, like a generational thing. Like, uh, yeah. I feel like nowadays, like people feel the need to express, and there's this like. Um, uh, you know, like we, people push others to just like go ahead, talk it out, whether yeah. it's writing about it, whether it's performing it, whether it's like 
seeing, you know, someone like a therapist or something like now it's um, more than ever. It's not a taboo thing to like overshare. It's like yeah. we want people to share. Like, you know, we, we will never share enough. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I believe in that a bit too. Like, hey, there's a limit for sure. I think you shouldn't blurry out the line between your private life and your public life. Like, there's right. a thin line that needs to be respected. But at the same time, uh, uh, don't be, like, closed about it, you know? Like, yeah. And how do you feel you developed that over the course of you doing interviews? Because for me, like, me as a person without the interviews, um, it was writing. Right. Um, I always felt like, let's say I have a conversation after two hours, I'm like, oh, I didn't even say what I wanted to say. So then I would write about it. So it's said somewhere, okay. you know, in interviews, like, um, like I can prepare questions, but I'm actually always thinking of the questions that aren't written down and that will come out when the person's talking. Like, I'm always excited about the, oh, maybe he's going to teach me something new and then I'll have a question, you know, like, yeah. So, mm -hmm. but that's cool because... Then it's improvised, but it's also natural and yeah. it's meaningful. Right? Yeah. Like you're having a conversation with somebody. That's cool. Yeah. It's good. That's good. You can build really strong relationships doing that. I feel like that that's lacking nowadays sometimes. Yeah. Especially with screens being everywhere. Uh, we lose that, mm. right? Uh, and we want that instant gratification whenever it comes to getting an answer or getting a conversation. We want like everything so instantaneously like sometimes i talk to my dad and uh, i ask him a question and then i expect like the answer right away mm. but then he goes on tangents and he tells me like these long stories and i never get the answer and i get so <laughs> frustrated i'm like man like, just tell me the answer to what i asked like i just want that uh but sometimes it's it's okay to have these tangents and yeah. to go on these conversations because why wouldn't you right like what's What's holding you back from doing these things? What's the rush for, right? Uh, you'll get the answer when you get the answer. No one's going to get hurt. Yeah. If you get it like an hour later or two days later, it's okay, uh, especially if it's not an urgent matter. Uh, but it's, it's, it's okay to enjoy these, these, these moments where things just flow naturally and don't have to be scripted. Well, I think for the, like, the generation before us or like our parents, um, they're more used to storytelling than we are. Yes. We want a summary of the story. We want, you know, and that scares me. Like, I'm I'm scared that I'll never get the time to actually, like, okay, Dad, tell me the story of your life. Everyone to learn everything, the lessons. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you want to cherish that time because it's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, I do that often, especially with movies and, like, uh, something. <laughs> I, I skip through <laughs> Netflix is so bad. They have like this feature where you skip fifteen seconds yeah. or ten seconds. Oh man. YouTube, um everywhere. Everywhere. And that that's how I like it's bad, but I, I catch myself doing that so many times. Yeah. And then I say, why, why am I even spending time watching this content if I'm gonna skim through it? Mm. Uh, and that's I sometimes it's it's good to be conscious of it so you can take a step back and say, okay. If I'm doing this to this content, then I'm just not giving this content its worth uh, and justice. So it's just not for me. I'll go watch something that I'm not going to skip through. So at least I'll find something that's relevant to me. 
-hmm. and I'll give it justice by actually watching it, reading it, listening to it, whatever it is. Do you feel like people will skim through this podcast? I was about to say there's the 10 <laughs> seconds for it. No, I don't think so. I don't, I, don't I don't know. It depends of our audiences. Right. Like I, I know some friends are excited about it, so they're not going to do that. Okay. And <laughs> rely on them. But Good. I don't know for you if you know that people. Like. It's, it's okay if they do. It's okay if they yeah, do. I guess so, yeah. They'll probably skip over this particular moment. And that's okay. It's okay. I actually thought it was the like funnest moment of the yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing. What's yeah. your uh, political uh, stand for the elections um, coming up? Do you oh, want to talk about politics? Uh, I, I don't. I haven't formed a concrete one. Okay. I would say I'm not in a place to... I, I like to do my research okay. before I give or I take a political stance. And for the time being, I haven't done enough research to comfortably and confidently give an opinion on the matter. Uh, there are people out there whose opinion on this particular topic is going to be more concrete, and I'll leave that to them. Well, we're going to go with, like, really short questions. Okay. And then, like, just the first answer that comes to your mind, this sure is what we want. Go for it. Okay, so are you, um, like, a, a fashion fan? Like, uh, and if so, what's, who's your fashion icon? Or... Like, do you like a specific thing, like denim or leather? Or, like, you know, do you like very formal, like, tuxedo? Or when you can just chill out? So, I definitely love fashion. I love the creativity that comes with it. I like the big brands, but I also like the local mom and dad shops down the street or the local creators, especially in Montreal. We have so many. Uh, and I love working with them. Um, I'm actually in contact with a bag designer who's trying to make me a, a leather bag that I can put like my laptop nice. and DJ stuff in it. And uh, I'm in contact with this other designer that's uh, working on a leather jacket as well. So I love working with local people. <clears throat> but at the same time, you look at the big brands and the high fashion and you say, okay, well, these, these pieces are creative. Uh, I can relate to that. So definitely into that. My style is uh, sort of a hybrid between formal and urban so i don't go full urban where i'm just wearing uh, like ripped shirts and uh, crazy colors but at the same time i'm not wearing a suit all the time so i try to find a perfect balance because that's my style name two or three uh careers you'd pursue if you couldn't pursue music this is it nothing this is else it. this is it okay favorite quote you can't i i'm, I'm not gonna give this quote justice because i uh I'm not going to remember it like per word, but you can't go through a mountain. You can only turn around it. Three things you do on a rainy day. Mix at home, if I'm not mixing outside. Drink coffee and search for new music. Any hidden talent? No, nothing that the world doesn't know. Okay, that's cool. I'm a really good DJ. <laughs> no way i didn't know that i don't know why i'm interviewing you <laughs> favorite musician dj singer you look up to you love who inspires you yeah uh jazzy jeff he's a dj i like jazzy jeff he's an old, he's an og uh he's a creator and he's humble so one thing that i love is no matter how much growth you can achieve and quote-unquote success 
it's important to stay humble. Favorite movie or book if you read? Book, yes. Honey Face, no, 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 Hers no. Truly by <laughs> no. Maria Magdalena Lutfi. Uh, best book out there right now. It's been out for a couple of years. Thank you. But uh, definitely, uh, definitely top chart, top chart. I don't unfortunately read as much, but uh, if, the, if I find something that I relate to, regardless of the medium the content is being delivered, uh, I'll enjoy it. Movie. Movie? Oh, Joker just came out. Did you see it? Nope. No. Oh, Do you so like good. it? Yeah, it's yeah. so good. It's so intense too. It's it's crazy. The movie's just Is the actor uh like did he do a good performance? Yes. Yes, okay. he did. Yes, he did. And I actually uh, right before you came, I uh, stumbled upon a Jimmy Kimmel interview of the actor, uh Joaquin, his name is. Okay. I'm probably not pronouncing it right. And it's funny because there's a scene in the movie. I don't want to I don't want to spoil it to you. But uh the Joker is in the same setting as Joaquin is with Jimmy Kimmel, oh. <laughs> and similar stuff happened. Okay. And it's just ironic. Uh, so what I recommend is you watch the movie okay. and then see the interview, and okay. you'll laugh and be sad at the same time. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. No, I'll definitely check that out. Because if you have both emotions, it's also like a like a different kind of movie. Like Usually it's like a drama or a comedy or an action movie. You know, it's one thing. Yeah. The movie is a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. I find, yeah, yeah. It's not your typical superhero movie. Don't go in with that mentality. Uh, well, the Joker is like an anti hero kind of thing. No? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. uh, and expect that. Like, expect an anti hero movie. Okay. Especially with all the Marvel movies that have been coming out. Yeah. Uh, this is not the same. I, f- I feel like we needed it at the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Favorite childhood memory? This moment. <laughs> I was like, we're not children anymore. That's what you think. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, no, I like that. Sure. <laughs> it's true. The child in us never dies. So. Yes. Okay. Yes. It keeps growing. Yeah. Especially in me. Yeah. I I feel like I matured so fast in my life that I'm just now becoming more childish as I grow up, and I love that. I don't think like for me, it's a good thing, uh, especially like I feel like it's a. It's kind of a fight against society. Like society right. expects you to like diet out and then like become this adult, and you're like, no, uh, I, you know, miss the like innocent part of life. You yeah. know, the like just simple, you know, pure moments. You know, yeah. Just because I'm physically older, it doesn't mean I need to lose my childish yeah, spirit. Exactly, and you know, the truth always usually comes out from children's mouth. You know, it's like yes. this. Yeah, you're at your pure state before being corrupted kind of thing <laughs> and you know what i feel like i feel like i'm going back to that yeah just like the fact that you're unfiltered and you're telling it like it is mm. uh, because life was so much simpler back then yeah and i feel like we need that sometimes so it's good to bring it back favorite country or city or you know place syria is my home country so i would say uh, that's my favorite country i want to go back a city that I have been to that I loved was Madrid. Madrid is beautiful. I thought you were going to say Barcelona. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, last time you met me, I had been to Barcelona. Yeah. And not to Madrid. Okay. When we filmed. And that was my favorite city back then. Okay. Now it's Madrid. Favorite food? Syrian. Syrian? Syrian food. Yeah. 
all the way, 100%. Is there a particular recipe? Oh, man, I can't say that. I love kibbe. You like kibbe too? No, no, I'm just glad that it's the same answer a year ago. So, like, the core essence of my shit hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. Okay, cool. (laughs) So, I remembered what I wanted to say about your performance um, during Halloween. Yes. You're maybe the only uh, DJ that, like, incorporated cultural music. There was at some point, like, some Bollywood, like, you know, music. And there was a point, yeah. And that hit me because, like, and then you also went a bit like vintage, you know, you like you threw some throwbacks and then you yes. came back. Like, do you um, take like, I don't know, like, does it take time to plan these sets? Do you know you're going to like, no? Okay. No. It's on in the moment? It's, it's, if I say yes, I'd be lying because there is preparation, right? Okay. You can't just not look at your music for a week. And then go out there and say, this is, I'm going to just play every song as it comes. Mm. Uh, you have to cater to the events. But I don't go out there planning literally every song. I go out there at least with, if I'm playing an hour, I'll probably go out there with about 500 songs that I might play. I'll end up playing 50 of them. But I'll create a world of music that I feel is going to work with the vibe. But my musical library will be available at my disposal during the event. So I have access to, say, like 50,000 songs, right? But I'll try to stay within what I envisioned going with the journey that I'm trying to create and deliver. But if in the moment I feel like I'm going to, like, go the other way, I can. And it happens so many times. But it's good to at least have a sense of direction to make sure your performance is at the quality that you want it to be at without limiting your creativity. And I I showed the like the trailer we filmed like f- during that performance to my colleagues at work and all yeah. that. And one of them was like, "Oh, he's wearing your Scarface t-shirt. This yeah. is one of my favorite movies." <laughs> <laughs> and he made me go watch Scarface cuz I didn't know oh. I never watched it. And I liked the movie a lot. Yeah, it's yeah, a good he, movie. He, he said you had like you chose right you know, like yeah. you chose the right t-shirt. <laughs> good, good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Say thank you. Yeah, that's it. This is it? <laughs> this we're done? It. Yeah, we're awesome. done. Awesome. Well, hey, look, thanks for having me. Thank uh, you. You're very sweet. Thank you for your time. Thank you. We hope you liked this episode. If you liked it, please uh, give it a thumbs up and a comment. Give us your feedback. And if you have any suggestions, uh, let us know in the comments. Uh, thank you and see you soon for another episode at the about us podcast bye